Good evening, everybody. We are here with Q&A session 186. Just thank God for every opportunity He gives us to glorify His name, edify, comfort His people. So before we go up today, today, let's look to the Lord. Father, once again, we thank you for today. Thank you for all your poor servants who came from all over, Lord. We just thank you for them, Lord. To continue to pray your hand would be upon them, Lord, as they go to places where we can never go and minister to the people whom we'll never meet. Let the word of God, the name of God be magnified in each one of their lives, O oh Lord. And now as we come to the Q&A, so many questions from so many parts of the world, we pray for wisdom, discernment, all the unction to rest upon us, O oh Lord that they may be comforted, their queries may be answered, O oh Lord. We just thank you, thank you, Lord. Commit ourselves and this time and all the hearers into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Pastor, we'll start with question number two. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, regarding being transformed to the image of God and the born again process. When we are born again, we are provided with the opportunity to the, to go through the process of image building all over again. And how does it happen? Amen. Plus the, the, the key word there is we are provided with, okay, the opportunity to go through the process of image building. And it happens by Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern, to this world or the pattern of this world. There is a pattern in this world, okay, that built our image, image, okay. And the word of God says, don't be conformed to that. There has to be a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Like if you look at, we are talking about a normal case scenario, a normal case scenario, and when it is out of the norm too. A child, we are talking about a child, okay, a child, as the child starts growing up and starts perceiving, its, its image comes from the father, comes from the father, because in terms of headship and authority, always, right, like when we talk about, we talk, like if you talk about India outside, the image comes from the prime minister. Like a prime minister, when you see of the image of America as a very weak nation is because Biden comes across as a very weak leader. Mm. He comes across as a very weak leader. He's not in control of anything. Yesterday also he fell down the steps three times. It's a very bad picture. We feel sorry he's an old man. He can slip. But then you need, you need to remember he is the president of the most powerful nation on the world. So there is an image. On the other hand, when you, when you, when the previous president was there, the image was of a very strong man. He didn't get two hoots when he went to Saudi Arabia. He refused to bend. You saw Schumer bending before Xi and Obama bending before, and you saw that, no? These things are very important for image. How, how another nation, another person perceives you. So there is this, in PR, what PR does is, it's basically image building. Mm. It's image building. So the child, Image is consciousness is from the father. 
The father is the picture. Okay, the mother is there, but the mother is not the major image builder. It is the father. And therefore, our images were all warped after Adam fell. Yeah. Once Adam fell, our whole image fell. Okay, So, when we are born again, God is transforming us, bringing us back. And that is what 1 John as not sorry, John one twelve, if I'm right, no, John one twelve says, you know, as many as have received, as many yeah, as so received. received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Okay, this is the first thing mm. that happens. Opportunity we have given, we have given me the right. Who is that? God is our Father. That is the first thing. Okay, suddenly, okay, so that is why this born again experience as we. Come to know what it's a very absolutely transforming experience because you need to realize, you know, we need to see that. If you really deep inside start understanding, believing, confessing and knowing that God is your father. Mm. And who is first we know here about who God is, 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 and we are zapped by who God is. Then we come back and we hear that God is my father. Mm. So that is how the image rebuilding comes. Okay, so when they are asking him, would you teach us to pray? His first response is, this is how you need to pray. Because if your image is wrong, your prayer is weak. Yes. Your prayer is weak. He said, let me give you how you should pray. This is how you need to pray. Our father who art in heaven. This is who God is. He is your Father who is in heaven. Okay. And then if you come to 1 John 3 1. Okay, 3 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Okay. So we need to understand the other thing about the Father is the way He loves us. Way he loves us. And one of Jesus' high priestly prayer is that, Father, I want them to know mm. that you love them as you, you love, love me. me. Exactly. That's a powerful okay. That's a very powerful thing. Okay. It's a very powerful thing. Okay. Mm. He's the begotten son. We are the adopted son. Yes. Okay. But now, Pastor Vijay goes, has to keep on making Sophie know very well that you are loved as the other two. Okay, you know, Sophie will struggle for a long time to really believe that if, she, if Sophie had been adopted as a baby, she wouldn't have gone through that. But she came into the family much older, so there was already an image that was built into her. Now, first you have to shatter that image. It will take time. Mm. It'll take time. Now, on the other hand, there are two other siblings over there. Okay, you have to be very careful that they don't get jealous. They don't get jealous. But in this case, when the father says, I love you as I love Jesus, Jesus is absolutely cool about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. He's not jealous. He's not envious. He actually wants that to happen. Mm. Wants us to happen. So you need to realize this image building is a huge thing, huge, huge things. So can people do not realize children who come from very secure homes, very, very secure homes will usually go out into the world and lead very secure normal lives. Okay. You see, wherever you go, whatever you go to do, like when you go to work, when you go to play, whenever you go to you know, you don't have to prove a point to anybody else. Mm. That is not normal. Because 
When you are trying to prove yourself, what you are trying to do, you are trying to make an image yeah. because you come from a broken image. Mm-hmm. See, Jesus, when he came here, he didn't have to prove anything. Yeah. He came from a very secure relationship. He came from the bosom of the Father to reveal us. So when they say, can anything good come from Nazareth? He's not very much bothered about it. People get so offended, it's because they have a broken image. <clears throat> broken image. Yeah. Okay, broken image. So this this baptism is a very powerful institution, if you believe, where your old image is completely shattered and you rise up in the new image. Okay, so when they were talking about who knows about your father, he's not bothered. <laughs> he's not bothered. Okay, yeah. oh, he's a friend of sinners, tax collectors, hardlets. He's not bothered by any of these things because you know what? It's he like doesn't a, have a broken image. Yes. He knows who his father is. Okay, who he knows who is your father. And that is the whole thing. Okay, when you're born again, what God, through the ministry of the word, through it all, what God wants us to really know is, know who your father is. Yes. Know who your father is. Okay? And you don't have to worry about it. And mm-hmm. just you have to do, do your father's will. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that, did I do my father's will? Yeah. Was I zealous for my father's name? Mm-hmm. If you look at the whole prayer, it is basically that, our father who art in heaven, hallowed, take Die and put father. My father's name, my father's kingdom come, my father's will be done on earth. And the reason is, for my father's is the kingdom, the power and, and the, the glory. glory. It's all centered around the father. Yep. Okay. You get the core of it, you realize, you know what? I am free. I am yeah. free. Amen. I am free. And a lot of people are still coming with that broken image from the world, mm-hmm. which is, you see that broken image in Genesis 4. There is competition. One guy is offering what is right by faith. He goes by what God has spoken to his father and he has heard. He goes by faith. The other one is jealous because he's into image building. Mm. He's into image building. He's a farmer. He's a farmer. He has worked hard. He brings the fruit and he wants to offer it to God and he wants God to accept it. But God says, I don't, I don't need you to prove anything to me. You just have to come to me the way I have shown you. Mm. I have shown you. Okay? If you do what is right, won't you also be accepted? So you see this image building right in Genesis chapter 4. And then he gets upset, he gets offended, and he goes out and murders his brother. Okay, This is how it happens. But the one who is secure... The one who is secure is first, you have to find your security in God. I'm secure. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Okay, because the world is a dog-eat-dog world. It's a competition. It's a rat race. Okay, mm. no rich man is happy unless he becomes richer and the richest. <laughs> no beautiful woman is happy unless she's the most beautiful Everybody in anything, they are into competition. They are into competition. Okay? And the first thing God talks about humanity is this. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a help me comparable to him. Meaning you are not supposed to compete. You are supposed to complete. Mm. You are not in competition. Please don't get into that. You are not in competition. You complete each other. You complement each other. Okay, that is how it was before the fall. But once the fall came in, 
competition came you see the pronouncement about marriage you know your desire will be to heave him but he will rule over you it's gone mm. it's gone okay and then you come over there in the family between the siblings it is gone <coughs> so god is recreating everything through a new birth first through the salvation through the cross atonement is made and when we believe the first thing god does is we are born again by his spirit God becomes our father and he gives us the authority or the power to become the children of God. So the first thing God says is be secure in me. Be secure in me. Be secure in my love. What makes people secure uh, is love. You need to understand what makes you secure is love. Even in a house where every amenity is there, I mean, you're a very rich house, you got all the amenities, but the thing is that what makes you secure is not that. It is love that makes you secure. Love that makes you secure. That rich man and that ri- woman starts fighting immediately. Insecurity comes in. The children says, because the media antenna is up, are our parents going to, going to separate? Okay. There's a security that comes from temporal needs, okay, which is called food security. Okay, food security. What God wanted Israel to be was to be secure in his love and his concern Amen. for them. Amen. Okay. Mm. So you don't have to worry about any of those things. That's my duty. Who did you save yourself from Egypt? No, I did. Did I bring you out? I did. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Okay. He fed them manna <coughs> forty years. There was water from the rock. The clothes did not wear off. The feet did not swell. The sandals did not wear off. They had light during the night and the clouds during the day. And God protected them from all their enemies. He says, you know what? I want you to be secure in my loving concern and care for you. And in response, what what do you want me to do? What, what do I want you to do? Just obey me. Just listen to what I say. That's yeah. all I want you to do. <coughs> and Jesus is coming and just showing, you know what? I'm absolutely secure in the love of my Father. Therefore, I have come to do His will. That's it. That's it. And the mm-hmm. Father says, you know what? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. It's a very beautiful relationship which Jesus is showing us the way He lived. And that's what God is telling us. It is... It is, we are rebuilding our image, rebuilding. It's an authentic, the other images are all temporal images. This is an authentic image that goes into eternity and God wants us to carry. That is where our mind has to be renewed. And the focus is, I'll see if you, if you go to John chapter 14 and read from verse 1, okay? 14.1 onwards. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. He says, believe in your father. Then he says, you know what? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. also. Now, where I go, you know. And the way you know. Mm. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said this, 
I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I have come to take you to the Father and reveal the Father to you. In verse 7, okay, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. <coughs> Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is sufficient for us. <laughs> Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So he says, you know what? I've been with you living my life exactly the way Father lives his life. I have seen him. That's why he says, the son does not do anything other than what he has seen his father doing, what father has spoken. So Jesus is the exact representation of the father because he lives his father's life out over here. And this is the whole thing. That's why Apostle Paul is able to say with confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. Because he says, you may have had 10,000 teachers, but he says, but I am a father. He says, I'm imitating Christ. Christ is imitating the father. In the process, what you're bringing is, you're bringing security into the lives of your people. Mm. And this is what Jesus will ultimately tell his disciples. When I send you out, when I sent you, without script, without your bag, without the thing, money, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. nothing. So meaning for three and a half years, he took care of them the way he had taken out of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. So this is where the father comes. The father provides security. The father gives the unreserved, what you call a unconditional love. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay? You need to understand there is, there is, Validity in that point. The love of God for us, the love of a father to his son is unconditional. Okay? It's unconditional. Okay? Approval is conditional. Approval is conditional. Uh, Love is unconditional. You want my approval. You see, the father did not speak about his approval until Jesus was 30 years old. Mm. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love very much. No, Mm. that he did not say. That means then his performance is what is making the father love him. The son does not have to earn his father's love. Mm-hmm. It is given unreservedly just by the simple fact, you are my son. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. First is unconditional love. Second is you have received my approval by obeying my will. So we have to be very careful about these two things. Father loves us unconditionally by the simple fact. That like now we have in our church, we have a month-old baby, Pranita and Anisha. That, that baby can't do anything for them. But they love that baby simply because it is their baby. The baby doesn't have to do one thing for the father and mother to love the baby. Why does the father and mother love the baby? Simply because it is their baby. So the question is, why does God love us? This is the question we saw in 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the father has showered, bestowed upon us. What? So that we should be called the children of God. Why does he love us that way? Because we are born of his spirit. Of his own spirit. We are born of his, we are his children by the very virtue. We are born of his spirit. Mm. And now what we are trying to do is we are trying to please God. We want to please our father. How do we please our father? We realize there is only one way I can please my father. How is that? By faith. 
It is impossible to please God without faith. I can please my father by faith. Then the simple question is, how does faith come? It comes from hearing and hearing from what he has said. It's very simple. So you go to the word of God, you hear the word of God, you listen to the word of God, and you will say, hey, my father is speaking to me, and you obey, you please him. But you are never questioning his love for you. Mm. You are not the prodigal son who is now worrying about the love of... See, the difference is that he's gone. He's wasted everything. He wanted to go... Whatever was going on between him and his brother and all, we don't know. He wanted to go out to the world and prove himself. Instead, he wasted himself. Now he's confusing approval with love. And he says, you know what? My father can't love me after I have finished everything off. So I will say, uh, okay. I have, I am sinned against you and all. That is fine. Make me like one of your hired servants. He confused approval with love. So what he, when he comes back, what he's encountering is that the love of his father had never changed. ever changed. It was still the same. Amen. Amen. Still the same. But approval, Next day onwards, he has to prove that he has really changed. changed. He's not the prodigal son anymore. Mm. He's the son who has now understood and is going to change his ways. And he will now look, okay, wow, you know what? I want to please my father. So this is the response God wants. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son for us. Our response seeing that, wow, the way he loves me, I want to please him. I want to please him. And you will see children doing that. When children, when your children, especially when they are small, they are very aware of it. When the children know that you really, really love them, know they know it's it's consistent. When you when you come back from home, that little one runs and you carry him or her and hug them and twirl around that and all that you do regular. And they're waiting for that moment. And little later, you will start seeing the child is noticing the things the father or usually the father because they always like the one who's not there in the house and comes back because separation makes the heart fonder. The mother is there always in the house and always disciplined. So they prefer the father coming back. So they will start seeing and they will start doing little, little things to please the father. You don't have to tell them. You don't have to tell them. And in their little innocent way, they will come and say, come, 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 I want to show you what I did today. And what they did today is what will make you happy. Why do they want to please you? Because you know they love, you know, they know you love them. This is God's final answer. He says, I gave you the law. I gave you everything. I sent prophets, everything. Now finally I gave you my son. If this doesn't change your heart to want to please me, nothing will. Mm. Nothing is going to make any difference. I think it's going to make it. This is God's final word. His final word is the son. He says, if you are not moved and changed by the fact how much I love you. That is why we have that powerful uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, you know, love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. It will not fail. Okay, so that is the image building. Okay, this is how we repent. My father, my God is my father. First, God is my father. Well, God is my father. Second, he actually loves me. He actually loves me. Okay? And that's what Jesus is saying, you know? He says, don't let, don't let your heart be troubled. Why shouldn't I have a trouble? <laughs> because in my father's house, 
there are many mansions. There are many, many mansions. You don't have to be worried. In my father's house, there are many, many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back. And I will take you where I am. It's a very comforting thing, no? About, you know, you have Jacob has 10, uh, 12 children. And the youngest is Benjamin. You know, the prophetic words over Benjamin, the beloved of the Lord shall rest upon his shoulders. And this is when I have my picture of my grandbaby, her father, carrying her on his shoulders and she's laughing away holding on to her and we're just thinking and I was just thinking this is what we did with our children also. That's a part they like most. They like to be on the father's shoulders, hold on to the hair. They have this ring view. But you need to realize the shoulders are the most powerful part of your body. In some ways you are saying you are absolutely secure there. About Benjamin. God says, no, the Benjamin, the little one, the beloved of the Lord rests upon his shoulders. This is where it comes. Mm. So we have to, this is how we build our image back. And then we look around. First thing you need to realize, this is how you need to pray. How did he teach us to pray? Our father. Not my father. He says, remember, I'm father for everybody. Mm. I'm father for all of you. I'm, I'm everyone's father. So learn to live like brothers and sisters. So all the instructions in the epistles is given, is basically given about don't live like Abel and Cain. Learn to live like siblings. You're one family. Don't do these kind of things with one another. It is not right. That is not how a family lives. That is not. So you have to get that perspective then only we will be able to understand and understand what God is trying to say. But God, so in Ephesians, no, Paul will say, I bent my knee. Mm. Chapter 3. No, chapter 3, if you come to Ephesians chapter 3, mm. verse 14 and 15 and 16. For this reason, I bow my knees. is is zapped. Mm. The mystery is being revealed to Paul. Hmm. Okay. Paul, you need to understand. Paul is a man who was born under the law. Tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrew. So he thought he was cat's whiskers. Hmm. Okay. Cat's whiskers because they looked down upon everybody else. We are God's chosen people, special people. And they were. Then he understands the mystery of the new covenant. And he looks and he really understands what Jesus is saying. That those who are in the old covenant and those who are in the new covenant, the least in the new mm. covenant is greater than the greatest in the new covenant oh, simply by virtue of new birth. Mm. Absolutely. They are not born again of the spirit. We are born again of the spirit. He understands that and he is even shocked to understand Gentiles are being included into this plan of God. And he says, you know what? That's mm. off. For this reason, I, I bow, bow my, knee. my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he says that he would grant you 
according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ should dwell. Why? Because that is the key. Because we will always, we always will think, you know, yeah, yeah, but Christ is the, the actual son. He said, let Christ dwell in you. Because you need to realize that God loves you as he loves Christ. God loves you as he loves Christ. Read that portion. John 17. <laughs> this is image building. This is the real image building. John 17. Chapter uh, 17. Yeah. Verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire they also, whom you have gave me, may be with me where I am, that I may behold my glory. They may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. When we come down into those seven churches, we haven't come to our detailed study to the seventh one, but if you go through these seven churches, which church do you think is the worst? Laodicea. It's simply the worst. Okay, simply the worst if you look at it. But what is the promise given to that class, that church also? If you overcome, you will sit If you throne. overcome as I overcame, you, you will sit, sit at my throne. You <laughs> see, Jesus is, there is no jealousy. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm willing to share <laughs> my authority with any one of you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> any one of you. Why? But how can you share authority with the Laodicean church? Simple by virtue. They are also God's children. <laughs> And that's what he says, whom I love, I rebuke. Whom I love, I, I rebuke. rebuke. Mm. Okay. Simple by the simple. Okay. Mm. This is where our, so the focus is that, you know, that's why we tell parents, you know, new, new, new parents, you know, spend as much child, as much time, every spare minute you can spare. And if you cannot make minutes you can spare, mm. you have to spend time with your children so that they really, really experience your love for them. Love for them. Okay, love for them. And that's, that's what John 13 and verse 1 says. It was something. It was something. Yeah. Okay. 13. Knowing verse that Father has given okay. him all things. Okay. And he was coming from the Father and he's going back to the Father. John 13. Father. Okay. Verse 1 onwards. So yeah. Hmm. Before the feast of the Father, mm-hmm. or oh, feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he should depart from this world to the Father. Having yeah. loved his, his own who were in the world, he, he loved them to the end. Now let me ask you this question. What, what was, what was troubling Judas? What was troubling Judas? Why did he go and give the money back? What was troubling him? Because he knew the love of Jesus. He knew one thing from the beginning, beginning to the end. Till the end. He loved us. Jesus had loved him. And he couldn't live with it. That's... He didn't understand the resurrection and all those things he didn't understand. But he couldn't live with that. So he went and killed himself. Killed him off. Killed himself. Okay. Wow. Huh. Many of the suicides that take place, you will realize the suicide took place of, of rejected love, of a broken love or anything, and they cannot handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. They cannot handle it. So what do they do that they can't handle with their trauma? So they go and kill themselves. And that's why Judas killed himself. He mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. I have, 
have betrayed innocent blood. Mm-hmm. The one person who actually looked back, I have, I have no complaints. He always loved me. Even when I was betraying him, he was loving me. Okay. Okay. And wow. this is what the Bible is talking about. That's why it says the love. So we have to rebuild our image. And that's why God comes to us as a father. Jesus comes and says, I have come to reveal the father to you. You don't have to be insecure. You can be absolutely secure in, in his love for you. Because what is the, at the end of the day, you can be made secure in almost everything. The only thing you cannot be made secure is when death comes. What happens? You cannot. There is life insurance, but that does not insure you when you die. Right. It only insures the, one, one, insure the ones who are living after you are dead. There is no insurance for the fellow who dies. It is for his family. So what do you do? Jesus came and insured that. He said, you don't have to worry about it. Do you know how much your father loves you? Mm. Not only from birth till death, after death, also he will take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. You know what? Mm. Let not your hearts be troubled. You know where I'm going? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Which place? The place you will go after you die. Hallelujah. Do you know what you want to call it? There are mansions. Peter, I have seen your heart. I have seen all your houses. That's not where my father lives and where you are going to live. Okay, so that is... The image we have to carry in, in ours. And once we carry that image within us, you know what? Our faith becomes very, very strong. Very, very, very strong. You need to realize faith and love, when they come together, it's an unbelievable combination. combination. Yeah. Then your hope is very, very strong. Mm. Mm. Faith working through love, our hope is very, very secure. Hope is always connected with the future. Mm. Very, very huge. Lot of people do not have very much hope about their future, meaning future in the sense like, you know, future of eternity is because, one, they are not very sure God loves them. Every time they sin, they say, oh, God doesn't love me anymore without realizing that his love has got nothing to do with your sin in the first place. <laughs> his love has got to do with your sin in the first place in the sense God so loved you, he sent your son, his son to die for your sin. Okay, so your sin has does not change God's love God. for you. Mm, yes, it's love for you. Mm, okay, mm. so what happens is they have no hope because they they are their their minds have been warped by parental love. Parental love is always conditional. Okay, the child. Okay, I don't love you anymore. Parents say that. Actually, say that. Parents say that. And it is very wrong. Because the child's behavior and your love should not, should not be connected. I'm not pleased with you. That's a right statement. I don't approve of what you said, what you did. You're talking about behavior, not the person. The person and the behavior are two different things. Okay? So, that is what we have to different. So, you always love the person and train the person, teach the person to change your behavior. Mm. So discipline is to change the behavior. Okay? So he disciplines whom he loves. That means the person's behavior is wrong, but he still loves, and because he loves, he's disciplined to change his behavior. So a lot of people don't understand this. Therefore, what happens is they don't have hope. They don't have hope. They don't have hope. Because they have grown up where... Love has been connected with behavior and love has got nothing to do with behavior. 
That's one of the things which I used to keep telling my children. I love you and I love you like crazy. <laughs> Nothing you do is going to, not going to change it. Because when you were born, I, when you were born, I loved you. When you were given into my arms, I just loved you. You didn't do anything for me to love you just for the fact you are my baby. I love you and I will keep loving you all the way. But behavior is something else. When you do something, I will tell you why I am not pleased. Now, I don't want you to, you to believe this is daddy's set of rules. Because I am not the ultimate authority. Like when I tell people, okay, we only have delegated authority. We don't have ultimate authority. So I will always tell you, you did this and I don't like it because what you did is what God doesn't like. So I am not the authority. I am not the authority. The authority is God. Okay? So you will see in Egypt, when Joseph is put in a predicament, he doesn't bring his father. Though he has heard this from his father. He brings God into the picture. He doesn't bring his father into the picture. Because the father is absent. But God is always present. Okay? So as fathers, we have to be very clear that when we make statements, refer why are you making these statements as they grow up? In the beginning, the father is the law. The father has to be very clear. The law the father is putting across is the law of the father. And when you fail, you tell the father, you know, you are, I'm also at the end of the day, you have to look back. Because that is where forgiveness and mercy comes. Because they have to see mercy and forgiveness. The reason is because God is a merciful and forgiving God. You see, everything the child is going to learn about God in a believing, normal family I'm talking about, he or she is going to learn it from the father. Ultimately the father. Ultimately, the father. In a normal home. In an abnormal home, the child has to learn it from the mother. The mother. Okay? Like, Elkanah has two wives, so he's living in two homes. Okay? So, Samuel cannot have a very balanced uh, picture about God from his father, so he learns it all from his mother. Which is, a, which is a good thing if you are, if you are a mother, godly mother, and the father is kind of an absentee father, then let the child learn wholesome things from the mother. But still it is not a very good picture. Mm. Why is that? He may be successful in the world. So you will see Samuel is very successful in the world in terms of ministry, but he will fail as a father at home. Mm. He fail as a father at home. Because he has learned from his father to be absent at home. So there is a conflict in Israel because they said, no, your children are not like you. So we want another another leader. We don't want your children to be made the judges. So where did he pick it up from? He picked it up from his father. Okay, so this is where we need to understand. This is where these things are very, very important. Very, very, very important. So we, our children have to, to know that the difference between See, about love and faith, these two things in a normal believing home, the children can learn it very well when they are growing up without the Bible being opened, simply by looking at their father. One, my father unconditionally loves me. Two, if I have to please him, I have to do what he says. Hmm. That is faith. That is faith. Second, I can trust my father. If he says something, he will do it. I tell my little fellow, okay, um, Papa, um, he's going, Papa, when you come, you will bring me chocolate, no? Yeah, I will bring you chocolate. 
The thing is that when you reach home, you realize, oh, I forgot the chocolate. You go back. You go back. Okay, I forgot. No, no, no. This has got to do with trust. Mm. This has got to do with trust. You go back, go to this thing. You go to the Kirana shop, buy the chocolate, come back and ring the bell and says, Papa, you brought me chocolate. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. What are you building? You're building trust. Okay. The faith has got to do with trust. Mm. Faith has got to do with trust. Okay. Mm. So love is unconditional. Faith is not unconditional. Faith is, like we say, trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. Trust doesn't, God doesn't, Jesus wouldn't trust anybody in the beginning. If you read John chapter 1, he doesn't trust anybody. He wouldn't trust any man. But at the end of three and a half years, he trusted his eleven. He says, I trust you. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Meaning, I trust you. I trust you. With you eleven. I will turn this world upside down. I can trust you. You will take what I have given to you to the ends of this world. This is how image is built. And all young people now, I believe in our church I'm talking, not young couples who are there. When you become parents, it's very easy to build love and trust. It's very simple. After that, when they read the Bible, it's very easy for them. They will look back and you'll say, just like daddy, just like mommy. That's what Jesus is trying to tell them. You are telling me you want to see the Father. Did you see me? Did you see me? You want to talk about your daddy? He's just like me. Did you see me? He's just like me. Did I love you till the end? Yes. Whatever you did, did I sleep with Did I ever stop loving you? Mm. No. Yes. Could you ever trust me? Mm. Yes. When I sent you out, did you did Anything that I, when I told you to do something, did you ever fail? No. When I asked you to go, we have to pay taxes, so go put your fishing rod and get the, in its mouth will be a coin, which is, did it happen? No. Yes, it did happen. When I say you go and untie the young one of the donkey, and if they ask who, just say it for the master, he will not say anything. Did it happen? So it's consistently approved you one thing. You can trust me. You can trust my word. Mm. Mm. You can trust my word. Mm. Okay? So in three and a half years, he built something in them. You can, I love you unconditionally, and you can trust me. Now you can go. And preach the gospel. It will work. This is what we are supposed to imitate. One, in our homes. And two, in leadership in our churches. Mm-hmm. Like I said to the pastors. You know why I can talk to them like that? You. Do you think every pastor can talk to them like that? You know, one of the pastors who came and told me this morning, he came and said, Pastor, when you cancel a meeting, you know what it does to us? They said, there are so many pastors' conferences. There's nothing like yours. We know you love us. You care for us. You care for us. And then you teach us also. We don't hear teaching like this. We go every month. We go to so many pastors' conferences. Okay. Now, these are the two things we have to pass across. Of course, they are poor. But what difference does it make? The fact is that we are also poor and God loved us. Mm-hmm. And we have to always open ourselves to say, like, no, Lord, help me. Help me to love them. Help me to love them, no? Honestly, if I could, I would go to every one of their churches and their homes. I would love to go to everyone and really see how they love and how they minister. Because you know what? For me, one thing is that 
This was a lesson that was taught to me many, many years ago. Many, many years when I was young and more puffed up. You know, I was preaching in another church where I was asked, called, invited to preach. It was a mainline church where they wear the robes and everything and all. And I was sitting there. You get a high and exalted place in that church as you sit in those big throne-like chairs and all. And you know, I was looking at all the people and how they were worshipping and I was being very, very judgmental and all. And then the priest comes, okay? The priest is coming to introduce me so that I could speak. He was wearing his robe. And I looked, I was looking at him and I was looking at the congregation. Somehow the spirit was telling me, look down. When I looked down, you know what? His trousers was coming below his robe. And all the edges of his trousers were tattered. I heard the Spirit tell me, that too is my servant. He too is my servant. Get off your high horse. Get off your high horse. He too is my servant. After that, when I went to preach, it was a different thing altogether. So we always have to remember, all are God's children. Second. Every one of them, they may come with chapels, they may come poor, they may have only, but they're all his servants. They're all his servants. Okay. They're all his servants. And we have to learn to love God's children. We have to learn to honor, respect God's servants. You know why? That is the image. The image, you know. And it really makes a difference for them. The fact that, you know, when they go back, they tell me they go back from every pastor's conference. They have a image in them that they are accepted. Mm. Their work is approved. There's somebody who appreciates them. That I'm the only one, they say, consistently in this city who has always given them an offering. And it's a big thing for them. It's not the amount. It's a big thing for them. For because they look at me as a big senior pastor. But the senior pastor gave the little pastor an offering. It is the other way around. Mm-hmm. I gave them an offering. So it's a big thing. There are a few crooks over them. But that's what's there in Jesus' group also. So <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. But the fact is that, you know what, it encourages them. Why do we do that? Because we look back and we will never forget like David. Where did God pick because us from? Yes. For me, it is personally, it's very personal because I know, Lord, other than you, nobody would pick me up for ministry. Any other job, yes. Ministry, no. Nobody would pick up me. You are the only one who will pick me for ministry. So I am eternally grateful for that. You don't have to do anything for me other than the fact that you saved me and you actually picked me for ministry. Hmm. Okay, therefore, you know what? I will show that same thing to all the pastors. Therefore, God said, I will send you my poor ones. And I'm very grateful for all of them, the poor ones who come. Very, and I love them. Okay, because he loved us. He loved us. And this is how you build your image. You have to, you need these two things. You need love. You need faith. You need both. Okay, and that is the transforming of our mind because in the world our mind has been like, you know, lot kind of this thing, money, position, security, mm. and then this thing comes, you no, know, so you will see all the, all the top shots, even in democracies, democracies, where these leaders live of the 
money What's of the people. people. Building, buying 10 crore, 10,000 crore aircraft, putting it as India one. And then this 100 vehicles, the most expensive one. All the bodyguards running around with uh, suitcases. Now we have to ask, okay, when Biden goes or Trump goes, he goes with the suitcase, so can understand that is supposed to be the nuclear code. Why are all these people running after you with suitcases? What is there in the suitcase? Why are you imitating this image? <laughs> then the North Korean fellow is over there. He has another set who are running beside his car. All image building. What image? And then the real king of kings and the lord of lords comes. He's born in a manger. He's wrapped up in his swaddling clothes. He's put in a wooden manger. Why? He says, I don't have to build any image. I know who I am. I know who my father is. <laughs> father is. And the first image I want to give you by my birth is about my father. Anybody, everybody can come to him because you see I'm accessible. The, the lowest to the richest can come to me. See where I am born. And come to me. I want to give a real picture of myself. No? So you have two kinds of leadership even in this world. Okay, in the world. Huh? No, even in the church, you have celebrities where you have to see them. You need a telescope to see them. And they are celebrities. You cannot meet them and all that. You have common. Okay, yes. So you have leaders like Gandhi, leaders like Modi. Okay. Easily accessible. Okay. Now you have Rahul, though he's not from the original Gandhi, but he's imitating, yeah. imitating very well, powerful. very powerfully mm. imitating. I'm accessible. I'm cool. I'm okay. I'm fine. So you know, people are eyes are open to see a different kind of leadership. There's a different kind of a leadership, and that's what God is talking about. And you know, that brings security. Mm. That kind of leadership brings security, and that is the image we have to portray to the world. Okay, and it starts in our own lives, and starts in our homes, and we take it into our churches. Okay, so that people can have an image of what God is like. Yes, that was a long answer to a small question. <laughs> also, the fact that. Also, the fact that insecurity also comes from the fact that, you know, Jesus knew who he was and he also had stuff in him to show that, you know, yeah. I don't have to really prove myself to prove anybody. Myself, no? I mean, people like the thing is that, no, yeah. what happens in the modern world is mm-hmm. like, because we have got into the image of the modern world, what has happened is that we st- started building an image, mm. building an image. Start building an image. And the children start getting a false security from that image. Getting that image. Okay. So what happens is that now you have created, you have bought a big house and a big car and filled it full of things because that is your image. And then one day the father comes and says, I have lost my job. Immediate thought is that, oh, are we going to lose all these things? That's the first reaction. Are you going to lose all these things? Because you built your image the wrong way. Mm. Wrong way. Wrong way. On the other hand, even if you had a good job and everything, because your image was built, even if you didn't, didn't, even if you had, because you can't have one billion dollars and live in a hut, because it, it, it becomes false humility. Yeah, yeah. It becomes false. You can live comfortably. There's no issues with God has no issues with that. Okay. God has no issues with that. You can live according to your means. But the problem is your security shouldn't come from things. Yeah. That's why the God Jesus says don't love the world or the things in the mm-hmm. world. Because the problem is 
place, if you love the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father won't be in you. Okay, you can have all these things, and yet your house, your home, your family is defined by love, not by things, and not by things. Mm. So you come back, you come back, and you tell your family, you know what? We are going to face hard times because Daddy has lost his job. You know what the family is going to say? But we are together. We are together. Doesn't matter. Even if we move into a smaller place, as long as we are together, it is fine. Mm. Even if we were to eat two meals a day until we come back, no God, Christos, it is fine. Suddenly you will realize, you know what? This house was real. It was not built on things. It was not built on things. It was built on. So you, God is recreating us in His image. And his image is the image of love and the image of faith. And then when you build that, there is hope. Amen. There is hope. Even though the prodigal son didn't really understand his father well, what he carried about his father was true. In my father's house, even the hired, hired servants. servants are taken well care of. So you know what? I can go back and ask him, can I be one of your servants? Can I be one of yours? So that was there. My father takes care of well of everybody. Takes very good care of everybody. Takes good care of it. Okay. So that was there. And that image was true. That image was true. So when he comes back, he's come back. And now he's safe. He's secure. He will never fall again. Because he's secure now in the love of his father. Okay. Yes, we shall go to the next question. Also, because we're talking about image building, I think you should also look at question number one. It's related to it and maybe one comment. Um, there is no such thing, such thing as loving God without seeking to obey His word. Please, your comments on that. It depends. It depends upon your age. Upon your age, okay? Because when we say about obeying His word, okay? Obeying His word. Now, think about a home where you have a two-year-old toddler. Two-year-old toddler. The only thing you may tell the toddler is, put your toys away. Put your toys away. He has only one commandment to obey. Put your toys away. And you don't do it the way I say it. That's not the way we did it. The first thing is that you sit with him and help him to put it away. Many days you will have to do it, otherwise he will not do it away. He will so you also come and sit with me. Also come and sit with me. So you will also come with it and share his terrible burden of putting it away. Okay? <laughs> but in the process you are also teaching him how to put it in order. Hmm. Many things you can so that we are all no, we work together. Okay. We have to put it in order, everything. That's how you do it. Okay, that's how you do it. So the simple thing is that when somebody is new and born again, new, come to the Lord, I keep telling many of the churches where I go, the Nepali churches and all, don't put a burden on them. I, I, I listen to them and I said, okay, not right, not right, not right. Okay, that should come many, many, much later, much later. Okay, much, don't put all that burden on them. Don't put all that burden on them. If you notice Jesus, he's not putting any burden on them in the beginning. Mm. It's very simple. Just follow me. His first miracle, he doesn't even use them at all. 
use them at all. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful because we need to know the difference between a lamb and a sheep. Mm. Okay. So we don't put too much weight on them, too much weight on them. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful about obeying his word. It's a general statement, but this is the whole word. Mm. You, you don't complicate things for them. They complicate things for them. It became a major issue in the church. So they sent people all the way to Jerusalem. And when they went to Jerusalem, when the Jerusalem council got together, do you know what the Jerusalem council actually told what to tell the new believers? Why? They are Gentiles. They never grew under the law. They haven't memorized the Torah. They were not sitting under these scribes day in and day out. They have no clue of anything. So you told them, no, don't put this load on them. Okay? Come to Acts chapter 15. This is what the Jerusalem council actually tells. Okay? Verse 20. Okay? 19 and 20. 15, 19 and 20. Okay? 19 and 20. Okay? Therefore I judge we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Put it across as a new believer and an older believer. These are two different things. Okay, put it in our context. Okay, young believer and an older believer. That we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and blood. That's it. That's it. Okay, and let them learn. Okay, would you go to class one and teach them calculus? No, you won't. Okay, so we have to be used the same thing in the church too. In the church too. That is why we send children down to the Sunday school. Send to the Sunday school. And in Sunday school, there will be one or two classes. And after some time, we will tell them, if you leave this fellow alone, he will live in Sunday school all his life. Because he's enjoying that. He will learn. No, he's now, he needs to come up. <laughs> he needs to come up. He starts, he has to start eating meat. Mm. Because you cannot drink milk all your life. You can live life by drinking milk alone. <laughs> but you won't be able to work much. Amen. Okay? Work much. So you have to gradually, it has to. Okay, it has to. But don't put it the same way. If you, again, you have to go to the word of God. The word of God is, uh, three years is what is given. But again, remember, when you are three years, when you are talking about, look at the age of the person. <coughs> look at the age of the person. Okay? When a kid is only 12 years or 13 years old or 14 years old and know your background and uh, even after two or three years, you don't expect much from them. Okay? You have to look at their, what your, their mental capacity also. Mm. You have to look at their mental capacity also. Okay? So you don't expect mm. a 14 year old child who got saved at 14 at, sev- at the age of 17, somebody who got saved at 30, at 33, you don't expect the same thing from them. Though you will say both have been in the Lord for three years. No. Their mental capacities are not the same. Mm. Okay? You don't expect in the world Somebody who is 17 years old and somebody who is 33 years old to carry the same weight. You don't. So when you are looking at obey the word, you have to be very, very careful about it. Okay. Now you go back. You go back over there. Okay. There is no such thing as loving God without seeking to obey his word. 
Okay? This is a very, very uh, tricky question. And a very dangerous question. Because if you go to what Jesus says in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Okay? Where he will say, and he will say, repeat that in different places. John chapter 14, 13, if I'm right. Yeah, 15. Okay? If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? Now, if you turn it around, if you keep my commandments, that means you love me. That's not, not what he says. That's not what he says. That's not what he says. That's not what he says. He doesn't say that. And all the Pharisees loved God. <laughs> and they were very particular about keeping the commandments. That's not what he says. He said, you what? You know what? He says, what I want you to do is, I want you to love me. And I have loved a life before you, so it is not difficult for you to love me. It's very easy for me. You know, some people will say it's very difficult to love. It's because of the way they live. They're very difficult to please, very difficult to love. Okay, my wife always tells me, doesn't say about love, he says it's very difficult to please you. Very difficult to please you. But I always will tell her, I don't make it very difficult for you to please me. Because I eat the same thing every day. If I was a husband who wants different things every day, then I am a very difficult man to please. So, she has her logic in her argument. I have my logic in my argument. I am trying it it very easy for you to please me. Seven days a week, if you give me the same thing, I am okay. So, if you ask me, is it difficult to please me? The answer is no. Then if you put it the other way around, but the things what you ask is very difficult to make. So, you are not an easy man to please. <laughs> you have to see both sides of the arguments. Okay. On the other hand, if you were to eat the things which is easy for me to make, I will say you are an easy man to please. Mm. I will reverse the argument and say, hey, honey, look here. Mm. I eat the same things for seven days, so I am making life easy for you. Mm. So this pleasing business does not look the same. I am just using a personal example from my own life so that nobody else has to be offended. <laughs> Okay. okay. So we don't change this around. Okay. Mm. Jesus said, "If you love me." So the question is, how is it possible for us to love Him? Mm. For us to really, really love Him. Okay. After you are saved, really love Him. Meditate on the book of Leviticus and see what the law demands. demands. What the law mm. demands. Mm-hmm. What the law demands. And then go to see in the light of what the law demanded, he fulfilled it all for, for me. me. <laughs> fulfilled it for me. Okay. So the simple thing is that I know my mom is with the Lord. She passed away. But everybody used to say she's a very hard woman. And she was a very hard woman. I understand that where she hard woman because she had a hard knock life. Post marriage, she had a very hard knock. She became hardened. She was a hard woman. But for me, for me, unlike others, people in the church who meet her and all, she can be very cut and dry and this thing, the way she talks and all that. But for me, it was not very difficult to love her. It was not very difficult for me to love for her. It's because I have a history with her and I have seen her as a mother. Seen her as a mother. I have seen her go lengths to which 
mothers usually don't do for their children. Children. You see, she's not an illiterate woman. She's not an illiterate woman. Okay? She's a literate woman with a degree under her belt and she got her degree at her time when she was 20 years old. So it's not a small thing in the 1950s to have a degree under your belt mm. when you are just 20 years old and has a straight away gets a government job. Okay, and this. And she has a miserable marriage. So a today's woman wouldn't have stayed in the marriage for more than six months. They would leave. But she won't leave. She won't leave. She won't leave. Because she looks as that she sees her children. She sees her children. And she goes through unbelievable abuse in her own personal life, in her marriage, for the sake of her children and because of her sacrifice. And of course, my father is there. He also, I'm not judging him. I'm just saying what actually happened. Her children all rise up in life. Now she's old and she's hard. I'm going to stop loving her. No way. Mm. I understand. Mm. Okay. We look at, you look at her and you say, this is what the Bible says. Love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. So when she's hard and when she's hard, she's in a concern. It's easy to cover. Mm. Cover. Okay. Love covers everything. And in Jesus' case, there's nothing to cover Mm. because he has loved them to the uttermost. So even if he scolds Simon and says, Satan, get behind me, you don't have it. It's very easy because it doesn't bother Simon at all because he knows, you know what? This he man loves me. Loves me. <laughs> this man loves me. This man loves me. Okay? So the thing is that when somebody loves you that way, what you expect in response is love mm. and not works. It's love. Mm. It's love. You want love back. Okay? Love back. Okay, you want love back. And Jesus is saying that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm. Otherwise, don't keep it. Because the law is already there. There are many people under the law, morning till evening, try to keep it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I am tired of it. I am tired of it. The first thing I want you to do is first, I want you to love me. Mm. That's the first thing. Second, I want you to keep my commandments. And when you love me and you fail in my commandments, what will happen is that you will come back to me and because you, you love me. Still love. Mm. love. I've told you, I've told this thing about Mathalika, no, the often baby, the cleft lip baby that came and I, she was with me all those years she was here, no. And I had this awesome time was to wait to go home to be with her and dance and play and all kind of monkey tricks we used to do. One day she was naughty. One day she was naughty. So I took the comb. And she laughed at me when she saw the comb. And gave her one tap on her neck. You should have seen her face. That was the first and the only time I gave her a tap. She was shocked. She cried, eyes fell, and she jumped into my arms. Jumped into my She didn't run away. She didn't run away. She ran towards me and jumped into my arms. I hugged her and said, okay, my married girl, Papu won't smack you again, but don't disobey Papu again. That was the only time I had to discipline her. Okay, only time. And even Andrew, you know, the big giant, when he was growing up, only once, never had to discipline him. Because whatever I told, he did. And he was growing up. Now he's a different case altogether. Teenagers let them grow up. But, you know, I told you last time, 
two weeks back when Sunday about two Sunday morning back when I said to him, why don't you wake up in the morning? And because I tell him always wake up in the morning, wake up in the morning. They have these cushy IT jobs, you know, where they sit in their bed and laugh to me and I dislike it. But I don't say anything. They have to learn on their own way. Why don't you get up in the morning? So he said, what difference does it make? I do my work anyway. I was not looking at his answer. I was looking at him and then suddenly I realized, oh my boy, in 23 years he has never talked back to me. He never talked back to me. Never talked back to me. When he has been with me, he has never disobeyed me. And the reason is that, you know what? Because I always loved him. Just loved him. Hmm. I didn't have to disobey him. I didn't have to ask him anything at all. They did it. Okay? Now this is what God is telling us. Okay? He says, and that's what he's telling the parents. See that you saturate them with love. See that you create that bond. Husband and wife, parents and children, that love. You know what? They will not disobey you because if they disobey you, it will hurt them more than it hurts you. Mm. That's the reason. They won't. They won't. It will hurt them more. That's what he's saying. If you love me, you will give my commandments. Why? You will not disobey me because it will bother you. It will bother you. Do you remember when David cut Saul's, how bothered he was? Mm -hmm. You know why? Because he loved Saul. He loved Saul. He never hated Saul. He wept when Saul died. He wept when Jonathan died. He loved Saul. He was upset. Why are you after my life? I love you. So you need to realize this is what God is talking about. The most powerful force in this universe is love. It is not faith. Faith will pass away. When we stand before God, we don't need faith. Prophecy will pass away. Knowledge will pass away. Everything will pass away. In eternity, why is that there will be no sin? We'll say no Satan, no flesh, no presence of sin. That is not the real reason. Love. The real reason is everyone will love, love God. Everyone will love one another. We will be living in an atmosphere of love and love doesn't sin. That's it. Don't sin. Hmm. That is why the Bible says, love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. That is the fulfillment of the law. So everywhere where things are happening in homes or everything, you know what the real issue is? The issue is the issue of love. The issue is the issue of love. That's why we say when husband is saying something or wife is saying something, listen carefully. What is the hidden message? We say the message in the bottle. What is the hidden? <laughs> Not the bottle in the liquor bottle. You know, people put a message and throw it into the sea. It goes to Australia. Somebody gets, okay? What is the hidden message? What is he trying to say? What is she trying to say? What is the child is trying to say? The child is trying to say, the husband is trying to say, or the wife is trying to say is one thing. You don't love me. That is the message. That is what they are trying to say. And you cannot replace that with things. Cannot replace that with things. Because things won't take that place. 
It mm. cannot. When God so loved the world, He did not send a bouquet of flowers. He sent His only Son. He says, only thing that can prove to them that I love me, I love them, is I myself come as my Son. Through my Son, I will show to them that I love them. And after this, if they don't love me, there's nothing more I can do. God says, there's nothing more I can do. What can I do? He's, he said, no, I sent uh, Na- Nazarenes to your town. I'm trying to talk to you the Nazarenes. Once, them, uh, he says, you give them drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said to send the people who were consecrated to me, they loved me, they wouldn't cut their hair, they wouldn't drink. And when you saw them, I thought you would turn to me. There are people like that who love me. When you say they love, you'll say, ah, oh, they love God, they are so consecrated. I also want to be like them. Instead, what did you say? You made them like them. You so you need to realize everything God was doing, even in the old covenant, was because He loved them. He loved them. Okay, so we need to understand. Please be careful how you interpret that question. How we interpret that question. There is no such thing as loving God without seeking to obey His word. That is not the point. If you love God, you will want to please Him. You want to please Him. I've told you, this is a story I taught, I read as a child and then I taught my kids. It's called uh, The Christmas, The Gift of the Magi. The Gift of the Magi. It is written, The Gift of the Magi. This is a young man. Uh, his name is James Dillingham Young, if I'm right. And his wife's name is Della. I can still remember it after 30 years. Okay, Because it's a beautiful story. And I would love these stories because you know what? I'm a believer who's teaching English to an entire group of students, all are non-believers. Now, wait for stories like that to show to them the love of God. What is the love of God? Because they don't know the love of a father. They don't know. They don't know any of these things. So here is this young man and this young girl. They are married, very much in love, but they are poor. They live hand to mouth. He has one great possession. That is a watch of his father. A gold watch hanging on an old strap. (laughs) She has this beautiful hair. Beautiful long hair. And Christmas is coming. Now Christmas is a time where you give gifts. Now we have made it into a vanity. The whole purpose of giving the gift is that because God so loved the world. We have taken the gifts of the Magi. No, that was worship. That was not love. Yeah. We have to give Christmas gift as God gave his son. Mm. You give a gift because you love. Okay? So, James is thinking, Della, whenever we have gone for a walk, there is a shop where there are these combs and there is where there is this visit, this horn comb or something, okay? It's expensive. And she used to say, oh wow, I love that comb. And I would, like they put their comb in their hair, no, it would look good on my hand. He used to also say that, yeah, it looked good, but it's expensive, okay? And then when they're going through another shop, there is this strap, okay, chain. It should look so good on this expensive family heirloom watch for his. Okay? So they both are planning for each other. So now it is Christmas Day. Christmas Eve. Okay? Or Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. So James comes home. He's bought her gift. And she's bought her gift. First thing when he looks at her, looks at her. Because she's cut her hair. Mm. 
cut her hair. And he says, you cut your hair? She said, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It will grow back again. Okay. Look, look, I want to show me your hand. Oh, I got your gift for you. Gift for you. Gift for you. Show me your hand. And he puts his gift behind. She says, what happened? What happened? Okay. <coughs> then when they open their gifts, you will see. She sold her hair to buy the chain for his watch. And he sold his watch to buy the comb for her hair. Okay, now think about it. Mm. Me, I'm in cloud nine, not seven. That's a Muslim cloud. Mm. Cloud nine. Why? Because I have got a story to witness to these children about how God Love. loves his children. Mm. Okay. So this is what what says. James loved Della. So he wanted to give her something and what she liked. Della loved James, so she wanted to give something. So what did they do? They both sold their most valuable possessions to buy gifts for each other. Mm. Okay, But at the end of the story, you know what? They are not really upset because they are very secure in each other's love. Mm. Each other's love. Okay, That is what the Bible is talking about. God is not asking us to obey his word first. He says, if you try it, you'll go the way of the law. You'll become a miserable man or a woman. He says, you what? I want you to love me with you, all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything. I want you to love me. And when you do that, you know, everything that we say will become easy. You'll be able to thank me for everything. You know, why? Because you love me. Yeah, Jesus is able to thank his father for everything. I mean, who would, when you have 5,000 plus people, who would thank for God for five loaves of bread and two fish? Why does he, why is he able to thank him? Because he loves his father. Mm. You are able to thank. You are able to praise. You are able to do everything, okay? Because you love the other person. Everything becomes easy. Okay, even you, like we have the sayings in Shakespearean English, no, madam, your desire is my command. Mm -hmm. What are you telling me? I love you so much. You say anything, it's like a command to me. Mm. That's, that's what love does. Jesus says, if you love me, if you really love me, you will obey my word. <laughs> and you know, the corollary to that is in 1 John. If I'm right, it's in 4. Uh, five, five and verse three. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not? Why are they not burdens? And the question is, what made his burden, his commandments so light? That is where we have to go to one particular incident in the entire Bible. That is, Jacob served seven years for Rachel and it was just like a few days to him because of his love for her. Yet the work was very burdensome. Mm -hmm. What made it light? The simple answer is, love made it light. What made Della cut her hair off and she wasn't very much bothered because of love for her husband? And what made James sell his family hair look? Because of his love for his wife. What made it easy? So God says, the answer to all the problems in life is that you love one another as I have loved you. Then the world will know. So God's answer to the world 
is neither Israel nor Hamas. It is a church. Yep. It is a church. So we are the only set of people who are able to love Israel and love the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Because we know our God, which is Israel's God, which Israel does not understand, died for both the Jew and the Palestinian. Palestinian. And there are only two sets of people in Palestine, one set of people in Palestine and in Israel who actually are able to love each other, the Messianic Jew and the Palestinian Christian. (coughs) The Palestinian Christian is able to grieve over what the Palestinians did to Israel and yet love the Jews. The Palestinian Jews, the Messianic (coughs) Christian is able to be horrified by what Hamas did and yet love them. Because both of them have what is called the love of God in them. This is the love of God. This is not the love of man. This is the love of God. And God said, if you go to John chapter 1, John chapter 2 <coughs> and verse 14, what does the devil actually do? Okay, yeah, no, come to 15. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. Why? Because it's, it's a trap. Mm. It is a trap. If anyone loves the world, <coughs> what happens is, the love of the Father that is in us will go. It will evaporate. See, we, everything that I have told, you cannot do it in your own strength. You need the love of God. But the problem is, the devil is a very subtle. It's very crooked. So what he will do, he has created a false world and put things in this world and he will cause us to love those things. In the process, what we lose is we lose the love of God. The love of God is reserved only for people. That's why when I get upset when people say, I love my work. Mm. I say, no, I enjoy my work. I don't love my work. I don't love my work. I enjoy my work. I enjoy my work. It gives me a lot of pressure. But I don't love my work. I love my family. I love my church. And I love God. I don't love my work. Because if I love my work, then my work will be always calling me. And I will be at my work when I should be with my family. No, I enjoy my work. I really enjoy. I enjoy today. I enjoy my work. Okay? But I don't love it. I don't love it. If God says stop the work, I will stop it any day. Any day I will drop it. Any day I will give it up. <coughs> because what I love is God, my family, my church, my physical family, my spiritual family. That's my love. Because we have to be very, very careful about these things because the system in the world is always getting you to travel. Like if you look at our young people who used to work to go to Google, Google will give you free lunch and coffee as much as you want. They are getting you to love your work Mm. so that you will sacrifice your life, your home for their profit. Profit. Be very careful. So, games and sports and entertainment and movies and things and things and things. The whole world system is a trap. What does it actually do it to you? One, you stop loving God. Two, you stop loving man. He succeeded. He doesn't have to do anything else. This is the trap. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the trap. 
So when we say, when we say, you know, I love sports. No, enjoy sports. Enjoy sports. No, because when we were young, we loved games. But I could hear that voice of my mother saying, Sando, come back home. Please, Amma, please. Another 30 minutes. Okay. So what is the last result? She goes to my father. <coughs> One call, you leave your football, everything, <laughs> and you run back. Okay, but what was the whole idea? Why are you not going home? Are you going to live in the football group? Are you going home? Okay, you have to go home. Mm. Oh, this gives you go, go. see pleasure mm. is a very dangerous thing. Mm. It's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Okay, you cannot do things because it gives pleasure. Because love will demand you to do things which does not, not give, give you pleasure. pleasure. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And the most wonderful thing that happens to a couple is when the child is born is called labor pains and not labor pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's the most agonizing moment, sometimes hours, sometimes days for a woman. There is no pleasure in it. It's enormous, terrible, mind-blowing pain. Okay? So we have to be very, very careful about it because this is the nature of love. Because when you love, you do things. And one of the things you, when Jacob is serving for no salary to a crooked master who is his father-in-law for seven years, day in and day out, it was not burdensome for him. That does not mean there was not pain involved in him. He's weary, he's tired. But what is he keeping him alive? It is love. It's love that is keeping him going on and on and on. This is what basically God is telling about. Okay, he says, if you love me, if one new command I give you, Mm. what is that? And if you, if you, this is all said in the gospel according to John. John is the one who records it. And then God, John goes in depth into it in the epistle of John. Meaning says, you know what God says? If you love me, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this for your brothers. You don't have to do anything for me. I am I am fine. But every time you do this for your brothers, you please me. You give me great joy. You don't have to do anything for them. You just have to do it for them. Do this for your brother. So if you don't bring love into it, you will see everything becomes burdensome. Okay? Husband doesn't want to go home. Wife doesn't want to be there when the husband comes. Children don't want to go home. Children are waiting for the parents to leave home. You know, it becomes a miserable place. Why is it so? And if you look at it, hey, why are you all so unhappy? You seem to have everything. You got every amenity of life. What is the problem? The problem is there is no love. There is no love. Okay? So don't get the question wrong. Don't get it wrong. Okay? It is not about obeying first. It's about loving first. And when you love, you will obey. Okay? Now ask this question. Like we asked that question in this morning too, right? If you look at Saul and if you look at David, Saul's sin and David's sin, by any standard of the law itself, David has, boy, he has really, really sinned. Really, really sinned. Okay? But, when he's accosted, same kind of situation, okay? 
Samuel, of course, Saul. Straight away brings about disobedience and obedience and talks about all that. But when Nathan goes to David, he doesn't talk about obedience and all. Have you noticed? He yeah. doesn't talk about obedience. He doesn't talk anything about obedience. He uses a story. <laughs> the story is about love. Rich man had many sheep. A poor man had a lamb. And he loved that lamb. The rich man took that lamb. And he killed that lamb. He's using a story of love. Because you can talk illustrations about love only to people who love. <laughs> to others, it doesn't make any sense. God knows David loves him. God knows that. He's a man after my own heart. He loves me. So I give him an illustration about and then he, who is that man? And then he says, you are that man. He is stricken. He is stricken. He realizes, I have hurt my God. And Psalm 51 is a response to that. This is a cry from the heart of a man. And he sums it up by saying, a contrite and a broken heart, you will not Despise. He says, you know, Lord, you know I am heartbroken that I upset you. Mm-hmm. is fine. Uriah is dead. Everybody seems to be okay, but you are not okay. Mm. You are not okay. She are not okay. I am not okay. I love you. Okay. This is what God is. That is why David is such a, this, this is one of the most, honestly speaking, David is the, only new covenant figure, if you look at it in the old covenant, is a new covenant mm. man. He will go and eat the bread, which is for the priest. God won't say anything. He says, well, he loves me. He loves me. He's more of a priest than all these dudes. <laughs> See, he understands this guy. So this is what we are talking about. Okay? And this is God's final Final lesson in the Old Covenant to Israel is through the prophet Hosea. He needs a prophet who obeys. He needs a man who will obey. Then he says, you know what, go and get this prostitute, marry her. Have children by her. And she leaves him and she goes. And he says, go and redeem her. Buy her back. Bring her. Okay. Now, this man is an obedient man. He says, okay, the Lord said I will do. But he doesn't realize what he is doing is God's love story for Israel. This is what I did. You went after other gods. You played the harlot with them. But I am buying you off the block. Now I am going to do something which Hosea couldn't do. Hosea bought you back at the price by the seller, gold or silver. I'm going to give my son to buy you back. Mm. To buy you back from that slave order Mm. called Satan. It will cost the life of my son. And after that, if you don't love me, you want to play the harlot, go play the harlot. You don't have to do anything. Mm. This doesn't change your heart. Nothing is going to change your heart. Nothing is going to change your heart. Mm. Nothing is going to change your heart. And that is where you need to understand the commitment of Gentiles. Not normal Gentiles, not this easygoing, secular, semi-secular Gentiles. These Gentiles who have really struggled to become righteous under their law when they encounter Jesus. How they love Jesus. Because this is the first time they are 
understanding and encountering the love of God in their lives. Because their gods never loved them. The other fellow, the other nominal Hindu, nominal Muslim and all is not bothered. Mm. So when a Muslim in Afghanistan or a Hindu somewhere really encounters Christ, the way they love him and the way they serve him, it's simply because they realize, wow, God really loves me. All these years I've been waking up in the morning, waiting for the sun to rise, all these mantras, all this doing, doing, doing. Never once in my life did I even hear a whisper, I love you. And then I come to this God and I realize I didn't do one thing for him and he loves me. Mm. And he loves me so much. Mm. And he calls me his son, his daughter. You know what? I'm going to give my whole life to serve him. That is what happens. One seven. That is what Paul realized because he was a man blameless under the law. <laughs> and then he realized that Jesus loved me. And Jesus didn't condemn him on the road to Damascus. He says, you know what? I'm your bond servant. I don't want to serve anybody. I just want to serve you alone. This is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. And those who understand and don't understand all that, God says, okay, discipline because I love you anyway, <laughs> whether you love me or not. I love you. So I have to discipline you. You may not understand, you may get angry, you get mad at me, but you know what? I am interested in your well-being. So I want to discipline you on the way. When you reach heaven, you will realize, oh Lord, I am so sorry. I was so upset with you when you disciplined me and all. I am really sorry, Lord. I really understand. You really loved me. So whether we understand or not, because he loves us, he will discipline us. Hmm. We can react whichever way we want. <laughs> he will discipline us. You know why? Because, because he, he loves, loves us. Mm. He loves us. And we became his child. That's it. Mm. So he will discipline us on the way. God rebukes and that's, that's the way Just. he takes us along. That is the story. I mean, he says the rebuke is a result of his delighting in us. Just like the father, the son in whom he delights. No. That know. is where <laughs> that new covenant, only when we understand and experience the new covenant, we will understand uh, God in the old covenant. Mm. A lot of people, no? A lot of people who are not Christians, they will always say, you are God in the old covenant. They don't understand because they are not saved. Mm. Second, they have not experienced the love of God in the new covenant. And then you read the love of God in the old covenant. You will realize, God hasn't changed. Yeah. He was always the same God. He was always the same God. Only he deals with a set of people to whom he can talk. He leaves others alone. You do whatever you want. I have got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Live your life. Worship your gods. Kill each other. Die. I'm not going to do because I cannot talk to you. It's a time set for you when I will talk to you. But there is a man here called Abraham. There's a man here called Abraham. Mm. I will start with because I am seeing him. And with Abraham, he begins. He begins. And in that Abrahamic strain, there is always a set of people who obey the commands because they love him. Love him. Yep. Everywhere. There is a set of They love him and therefore they obey him. So situation doesn't matter. You can enslave them and take them on a thousand mile journey, bring them to Babylon. And the first thing he thinks about is, I should not defile myself should not defile myself should not defile myself 
if you think it is the law, you haven't understood Daniel. Mm. He is the beloved of the Lord. Okay. Mm. He loves God. Yeah. He loves God. And that's okay. what he it says. He loves God. Okay. You're greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. Okay. So you need to realize the remnant that will come out of Israel and the remnant that will come out of the church are the people who love God. Love God. And that's why Philadelphia, which you are studying, will continue tomorrow morning. It's a highly exclaimed church. Because he says, I know your works. Think about it. He tells the church of Ephesus, I know your works. You do this, 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 you do this. Great. But I have one thing against you. You have fallen from the height you have fallen. You have forgotten your first love. The church in Philadelphia, he doesn't say any of what the works he did. Have you noticed? What do you know about the works Philadelphia did? Put Philadelphia up there. 3-7. Three, 3-7 seven. Three, seven onwards. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 onwards. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens, no one shuts, shuts and no one opens. I know your works. One word, I know your works. And doesn't say anything, what is their works is? Every other church, he will tell them what their works are. Philadelphia, he doesn't say any work. Why? Because it's a church who loves one another. So there's no need to talk about their works. There's no need to talk about their works. No works is mentioned. Why? Because I don't have to mention about your works. Because it's saturated by love. You love me, you love one another. So I have, don't have to talk about your works. Ephesus, he has to mention all their works and then tell at the end, but you don't love me. <laughs> Philadelphia is saying that you are Philadelphia. You love one another, so I don't have to mention your works. I know you love. I know you love because you love one another. So I know you love. You love one another. You are living like a family. <coughs> living like a family. So I know your works, and nothing else is. And therefore, you have kept my word. Why did they keep my word? Because you love me. You have no strength in the world. You have no money. You have no numbers. You have no reputation. You have political clout. You have nothing. But you kept my word. Why did you keep my word? What is the, you kept my word. What is the word that I gave you? Love one another. Mm. You kept my word. That is <laughs> you did not deny my name. Why? Because you loved me. Mm. Remember, that's what God tells David. You messed up my name. Messed up my name. And I'm upset because you loved me. You should have been more careful about my name. You did not deny my name. Why didn't you deny my name? Because you loved me. Therefore, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to keep an open door for you. <laughs> Two open doors. One, in time, you will be able to minister to people more than any other church. Why? Because in you, they will see my love. You'll be able to reach. Your outreach won't be like other outreach. It will not be power and miracles and signs and wonders. No. They, when they see you, they will know who I am because you love one another. So open door for you. Mm. Because then they will know you are my disciples that God sent the Son, Jesus said, because you love one another. That is Philadelphia. Second, when all trouble is coming upon the whole earth, I will mm. protect you. Why? Because you don't have to go through that. Because you love one another, you love me. Why should you go through? There's nothing for you to, to discipline you here. You don't need to be tried and tested and all. You don't need to. Because if there is one area where we can reach perfection, it's in love. And they reached it. And they reached it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go through this. I'll protect you. Mm-hmm. Protect you. 
It's as simple as that. So the church in Philadelphia is a revelation. Okay, and if you look at it, it is all because of one factor which God is talking about, which is about love. And that is what we've been talking about. We've been ministering about. The whole thing is that Jesus said, only one commandment I give. That's enough. If you understand that and you apply it towards God and towards man, all the problems are solved. Every problem is solved. Then other problems are out, outside. They're not inside. You don't have problems in your home. You don't have problems. If you look at the problem in the church, what is the problem in the church? If there is a problem in the church, what is the problem in the church? Either people don't love God or they don't love one another. That is the only problem. Why did you do this? No, I say, okay, because love doesn't do these things. Why are you late to church? Oh, no tire, no tire puncture. The real simple reason is you don't love God. You love your company. That's why your tire never punctures when you go there. It's as simple as that. The answer is love. Okay. So that is basically what is happening. Okay. Mm. A dysfunctional family. Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? No. Because mm. he didn't love his brother. Love his brother. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know. We don't know anything about silence. A lot of things the Bible is very, very silent about. Very, very silent about. But simple thing is, thing, single, I have learned from experience home, other homes, as a pastor, I have understood that. When children fight with one another, that means parents fight regularly. After the fall, there is a nice jamla going within Adam and we are responsible, you are responsible, you are responsible, you are responsible. Of course, the children take it to the next level. Children take it to the next level. Okay, because it already started in the friend of God, the woman you gave me. So without God, you understand what would be happening in that home. <laughs> right in front of God. You right in front of God, you are saying she is responsible. Okay, so you cannot. So it is goes on to the other side. Okay, so that is why we say parents, children just imitate. Children just imitate. Okay, so all the instructions in the Bible are given to parents and to the children only one thing, just honor your father and mother mm-hmm. and obey your parents. We are small, obey your parents, but honor your father and mother. It will go well with you. It will go with you. Okay, there's a blessing attached to it. So we need to understand that is how it works. That is how it works. So you mm-hmm. can look at the first dysfunctional family and then you could say certain family details are given in detail over there, like <laughs> Jacob's family, for us to learn. Us hmm. to learn. Okay, how you know what is what is this mess in that family? Mess in that family. And it starts with Jacob. Okay, there is no there is no law provide banning you written explicit law saying that you can only have one wife. Mm-hmm. It is not there. So you married two. So if you marry two, then ask the God the grace to love them both the same. Be fair. Be fair. Love Leah, love Rachel. You can't marry two and then love one. That's not fair. That's where the problem went. Because God saw that Jacob did not love Leah. But that's not right. That's not right. Leah is your wife. and It's easier for you to love Leah and Rachel the same way. Because unlike most other marriages in the Bible, they both are sisters. 
So they already are siblings. They have an innate love for one another over there. So you brought competition between them and messed up your family. Okay, you made a mistake or you were duped into it. You ended up with two wives. Why can't you love them both the same way? There would have been no conflict. So all the conflict in that entire home was created by Jacob not loving his wives the same way. As simple as that. On the other hand, that story would be rewritten. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved Leah. He loved them the same. But you know how careful our parents were, our mothers especially were. Like they're very careful to see that when there is a cake or something, she looks at all of us and she's very careful to see it is cut the and each one gets the equal fare. Because justice has got to do with love mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. It's the same. And I love you all the, the same. same. Way. Exactly. same way. I love you all the same. That's all he had to do. And after that, when these children are all born, all he had to do was love them the same way. I honestly believe if he had loved Leah and Rachel the same way, after making that mistake, loved them the same way, there would have been no Bilha and all that. This tribe of Israel would have come from these two wives, the twelve children. God would have touched their rooms. It would have been a very wholesome, healthy family. Wholesome, healthy family. But it all honors rests upon the man. There are two wives, but there's only one man. It's not a polyamorphous marriage like modern day. Two men, two women, four women. No, that, no, there's only one man. Everywhere, if you look in the whole narrative, the Old Testament, there is always only one man. Mm. There may be many women, right. but only one man. There is Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, but only Abraham. Mm-hmm. And Jacob and four, two wives and two con, but only one. Solomon, 600, 300, only one Solomon. <laughs> Everywhere, the honest goes on the man. Okay, you have 600 wives. Can you love them all the same way? No. You can. You can. Because the nature of love does not change. The nature of the love, how is God able to love all of us? His love is different. Actual nature of love is the same. That is why this is not just an emotion. Why are we studying about love? Love is like this. Love is suffers long and it's kind. So you suffer long with Leah, you suffer long with, and be kind to both them. You have 600 wives, suffer with 600 and be kind to all of them. Now, I'm not saying you should have married 600, but you ended up marrying 600. We need to, and the people think it is not possible. Of course it is possible. Why? Because the nature of love never changes. It is God's kind of love. The nature is as so we are dissecting from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. We have a dissection of what love is and what love is not. Mm. That way, you can love anybody. You can love anybody. Of course, marriage love is different because in that love, sex comes in. But you take sex out, the love is the same. You can suffer long with your wife and be kind. Suffer long with your child and be kind. Suffer long with your sheep and be kind. Suffer long with your co-employer, employee or employer and be kind. The nature is the same. The only thing different in the marriage is there is something else demanded from that. These two shall become one. Mm. That is not demanded. But other than that, the nature of the love is the same. This is what God is talking about. So we we'll, we sit there and use the new commandment. That's why I said there are no stories in the new commandment. The stories are in the old commandment. Mm. But you take these principles and dissect them. How could have Jacob resolved his family situation? Answer is love. 
and you will realize suddenly okay he has 12 children two wives and the 12 children love their father they love their mothers and they love one another it's a different wholesome family they are not going to so uh, joseph has a dream and he comes and tells it and the father hears and says wow my prayer is all of you will dream okay now you know what i'm going to do i'm going to make coats for all of you all of you my prayer is okay he says oh joseph you are great you know what joseph is good in dreams ruben you are good in this simeon you are good in this because the father is edifying all the children you're good in this 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 you are loving them all there is no envy there is no jealousy there is no rivalry and they are growing up growing up in a proper way this is what god is doing and that's the way it's going to be in heaven he will love us all he loves us all and we will all know he loves us all the same way and but he will say well you ran your race on earth you are all given the same thing and now you are going to be judged and because he oh he loves us all we won't be jealous of one another mm. you need to understand that's how it works that's how it works okay you have an elder child and you when you are giving the elder child because the elder child is older and more mature a more expensive gift you know how you give it you give it by keeping the younger one on your lap yeah and take it so he's not jealous or envious about what the elder one is getting because he knows i'm also loved mm. love is the level up love is the level So the Holy Spirit is able to give gifts to different people, but the problem in the church in Corinth is they don't love one another. So the gifts have become a competition now, and dissensions and rivalry and all. He says, "I I will choose to give the gifts as I please because it's God for ministry." But the issue is not what gifts I give you to one another. The issue is that you don't love one another. Therefore, First Corinthians thirteen is put in over there so that they will learn to love one another. If you understand almost all the guidelines of behavior is given to the church at Corinth your lord supper you are messing it up because look at what you are doing was Corinthians 11 everywhere gifts you are you are operating you are not operating it in love the issue is that divisions divisions dissensions everything mm. what is the problem in your church you are a good church i love you and i thank god for you he says you are not loving one another the way you should that's the issue but when it comes to the church in galatia he has nothing to say he says i got a very serious problem with you you have broken the entire law of love you are going to legalism which is dangerous mm. it is dangerous he says i have nothing good to say about it nothing to you are breaking that one commandment god has said that is how we look at life yes i think we will stop yeah. it there yeah. because tomorrow is sunday yep okay so get this pictures in okay and don't try to change you the thing is that you know this is this is one thing which you need to understand only god can command us to love and tell us how to love you cannot make somebody love you yeah only thing you can do is that you can love somebody mm-hmm. 
It's one of the first things you have to learn in life. You cannot command love from another human being. You can only love. You can love. Unconditionally, you can love. You can love the person. And you go through Corinthians and say, this is the way I want to love. And help me, God. And just do it quietly, whichever way. You just keep loving. Mm. That's all. That's all you can do. One day they will wake up. May realize, oh, what I was missing. Mm. They may not wake up. But I always tell people, because when people come and sit me, marriages, divorces, all kinds of people sit me, I said, I always tell them, if you choose to love, you can get out of any situation without guilt. Without regret. <coughs> without guilt, without regret, you can get out. Because the answer is that, I did not break the law of love. So I have no regrets. In that time period that I was given, did I love or not is the only question. Did I love? I did. Like when the issues in the churches happened many, many years ago, different, different issues happened. Jesus told, God told me, go visit them. Go visit. This is even before Grace Tabernacle started. Go visit. Because people used to tell, this is happening. Just visit them and ask them two questions. And just don't say anything. Just ask them two questions. And just leave. So he always used to visit those people and ask them first question. Uh, sister. Usually sisters are these who begin this job, no? Sister. Have I ever harmed you? No, brother, no, pastor, you have never harmed me. I said, thank you. Have I been a blessing to you? Of course, pastor, you have been a blessing. Thank you. I am living. Let it come from your own mouth. By your words, you are justified. By your words, you are I won't say anything. I only ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. I want to give you the answer. I am not who I am the one to give the answer. You give the answer. You wouldn't believe every place the answer was the same. That's all you have to do. And they just shut their mouths after that. They wouldn't speak after that against me. I just told them one, asked them one question. Have I harmed you in any way? And they said no. Have I been a blessing in your life? They said yes. Left. Leave the rest to God. Because that night they will not be able to sleep. Because God will tell them, you answer from your mouth, then why do you talk ill about him? Okay. You talk ill about him. Okay, so you need to understand that the Bible is not a complicated book. It's very simple. Very simple. If our children in modern day education can crack all these subjects in school, you think they cannot understand this? We are fools. <laughs> I found math difficult, never the Bible. <laughs> Physics, chemistry and all was very difficult for me, but the math was very easy for me. Sorry, Bible was very easy for me. It's not very difficult. It's a very easy book. Okay, so see life that way. It's not difficult. So, moral of the story, love never fails. Mm. Remember that. Only two places the Bible says, God never fails. Love never fails. Shall we stop and we shall pray? Best way, can you close? Father, we just <coughs> want to thank you once again for this opportunity that you've given to us to Understand your ways. As your servant Moses prayed, Lord, teach us your ways, show us your paths.
Because Lord, we are leading our families. These are your people. And Lord, we need to know you, your heart, your intention in everything that you say to us. In every command that you give to us, O oh Lord, your intention is love. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for reiterating it to all of us. Lord, husbands who lead homes, for elders who are in churches, who lead churches, and to all of us in different capacities. I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will take it to heart, not get offended, and understand, O Lord, that you love us unconditionally. And, Lord, enable us, Lord, to love you back. We can't do it in our own strength unless you empower us with your Holy Spirit. Like you said in your word, that you would shed abroad your love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, cause us to love you by, by your Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength, Lord. The demands of what we have to be in the new covenant is impossible for us to live in our flesh. It's only possible with the new man, empowered by the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, you would empower us. Empower us. Yes, Lord, it is possible. That's the reason why we are here, listening to your word. It is possible. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will strengthen our faith. Thank you. Thank you once again for speaking to our hearts. And even as we come to the end of, we have come to the end of the day. And Lord, uh, even as we prepare ourselves for tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, we will all be found in your house on time. And Lord, we will worship you. We will listen from you. And we will prepare ourselves continuously for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.